When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to I Am The Cute One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and talk about our favorite topic, ourselves. Hello, I am Chelsea, and I am the cute one. And I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. And we are here today to cover 13 with a returning cutie and one of our besties, Kelly from Beyond the Blinds and the hilarious Laguna Biatch Instagram. Hi. I'm so excited to be here to talk about this movie. <laughs> I feel like I've kind of like tried to bully you guys to cover this movie just so I could come off. It, it's your Evie era yeah. a little bit. Sure. <laughs> I just want to lay on the floor crying about it. But you know what? You're here now. We're going to have a good time. No, and I'm here to be Tracy, who I have been in a past life. So I'm super, super excited to talk <sighs> about this movie. I would not have been able to convince Donnie to cover this movie had we not had another person to add into the peer pressure. Well, I'm happy to peer pressure Donnie into watching this movie. It just feels like he should have seen it before this moment. And I'll explain why I did. Do I have the floor now to tell you or should Um, I wait? Yeah, go ahead. Evan Rachel Wood is a little too gruff for me, so I didn't like that. Also, I didn't like that the girls were from the wrong side of the tracks. So there's a lot of reasons as to why I didn't. Also, when it came out, I was not 13. Obviously, I was a little older, but I was still too close to the age where like I judged them. These would be girls I would judge in school. Where, like, when I was older and Spring Breakers came out, I was like, oh, this is so fun. This is so whatever. Wild party girls. I got to live vicariously through them. This movie, I was like, I want you all in prison. (gasps) Donnie. (laughs) This movie came out September 19th, 2003. It was a Friday. I was also 13 years old. So Mm. this came out going into my Tracy years. And I don't actually know if it inspired my Tracy years or if it was enough of a cautionary tale that I was able to like pull back from Mm. going to the full conclusion of this movie. I just remember I watched it at a sleepover. It was a back-to-back double feature, this and the butterfly effect. And I left Uh. that sleepover a changed person. That's a tough back-to-back. Butterfly Effect is a movie I will never watch again. I saw it once and that was all I needed. Yep, me too. Have it returned to that scene of the crime. As revenge, I'm going to bring you back, Kelly, (laughs) to talk about that movie on this podcast. I'll just be like heavily (laughs) sobbing. Donnie made me do it. I don't know. Yeah, different types of angst. This movie captures angst in a way that like when I rewatched it, I can still feel it in my chest. Like watching this movie, Mm. I go back to being 13. So Kelly, what was your first watching of it? Yeah, so I remember everyone like talking about it. And luckily for me, my mom would just kind of let me like rent a movie, go in my bedroom, and she was like, just leave me alone. (laughs) So I remember I got it from like Hollywood video or something, watched it for the first time I was 13. And I was just like, oh my God, this is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. So naturally, I didn't tell my mom. And I was like, no, it's like a great story about two best friends. They're growing (laughs) up together. So she bought me the DVD. And then I got to like (laughs) introduce my friends to it, which was really exciting. And then like, as I got older, it kind of became, you know, a lot of people still hadn't seen it. So I was able to make a lot of people watch it. But I was also able to see like, 
how cool it is that the movie goes from being in color to like black and blue and mm -hmm. just seeing all the the different ways I guess like they filmed the mm -hmm. movie. Yeah, the early 2000s loved a filter. They loved a blue filter. They loved to just take away the color to let you know this is when you should be feeling sad and bad now. <laughs> but back to September 19th, 2003, this was... Donnie did this part of the outline. He was very sweet. I was running a bit behind today. I was doing bus drop off. So I said, Donnie, can you do the This Day in History segment? And he said, I sure can. I'm going to read what he's written now. This movie came out September 19th, 2003. It was a Friday. It was also 732 days after 9-11. Okay. We couldn't talk about September 2003. Like, that's where my mind went. That was so close. <laughs> Underworld was top of the box office, with this movie coming in at number 21. So Shake Your Tail Feather by Nelly, P. Diddy, and Murphy Lee was the number one song in the U.S. This week at the Emmys, Everybody Loves Raymond won for Best Comedy, and The West Wing won for the fourth year in a row for best drama. Everybody Loves Raymond is my Frasier. You won't touch Frasier with the stick. I hate Everybody Loves Raymond. I love it. Oh, I also God. hate it. Thank you, Kelly. You're in good company. <laughs> or I am. I'm <laughs> no, but the thing about me that everybody already knows is if there is a terrible sitcom where, you know, a CBS or NBC or ABC execs have just thrown spaghetti at the wall and they're like, I don't know, like a middle-aged woman will like this. I'm sitting there being like, it all started with a big bang bang. Like, uh, I love a laugh track. I love a bad sitcom. So I love Everybody Loves Raymond. Okay. The dynamics right. between the brother and the mom, hilarious. Okay. Jesus. So if today's episode makes you want to laugh or scream or watch The Big Bang Theory, please do us a favor and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. A five-star review is the easiest way to help us grow our audience and this community. Donnie, background info and trivia? Do you have any for us today? I do, yeah. So it was written by Katherine Hardwick and Nikki Reed. It's loosely based on Nikki Reed's childhood because Catherine Hardwick was dating Nikki's father at the time. So she said she was observing Nikki Reed like going through these changes and living this tough life. So then she went to her and said, I want you to get back to your creative things and not be so destructive. So then they wrote this together. Kind of brutal for how they portrayed the dad in this, if that was her entry point into the story. <laughs> That's, so That's true. true. <laughs> She's like, I fucking hate your dad, too. Do you want to really bring him down? <laughs> and then it was directed by the same woman, Catherine Hardwick, who also directed Twilight, which I saw a lot of similarities, not just Nikki Reed and The Filter. There were many others that I will be bringing up. She also directed Lords of Dogtown, the best movie ever made, Red Riding Hood with Amanda <laughs> Seyfried, and the new Tony Collette movie, Mafia Mama. <laughs> But a little tidbit about this. She was only paid $3 to do it because the studio said they're absolutely not making a rated R movie about teen girls. So she like raised money independently. She made $2 million for the budget. But then she wanted to put all that money towards the movie itself. So she only paid herself $3. Do you feel like this movie could be made today? Or would there be too much pushback? I don't know. I think they would have to have like older actresses. I don't think that... They would be like, oh, no, it's great that this movie is going to be filmed in like 30 days and I you can agree. only record eight hours a day. I think they'd have to have older actresses. I guess the 2024 answer to this movie is Euphoria. Mm -hmm. This movie was nominated for a lot, but the biggest one was an Oscar nomination for Holly Hunter. Good for her. 
Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert gave it three and a half out of four stars. Okay. He didn't compare it to a movie, but he did say, and this made me laugh out loud, the two worst years of a woman's life right now, Minnow, are the year she is 13 and the year her daughter is. There are exceptions to the rule. I recently attended a 13th birthday party at which daughter and mother both seem to be just fine, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, thanks, Rob. That's the equivalent of hashtag not all men. <laughs> so now we used to play Fuck Mary Kill, but I decided to personalize it to each movie. So, Kelly, I'm going to give you the taglines of the movie, and you have to say which one you'd make out with in front of your friends and which one you'd frame for all the bad things that happened in your life. Okay. Chelsea, you get to play too. I just had to explain the rules. Mm-hmm. The first one is. They're not little girls anymore. And I hate this game because we never know the second option until it's too late. Okay, just because of the little girl part of it, I don't want to make out in front of my friends to that. You know? Uh-huh. See, for me, it's like the opposite because I'm gay. And I can be like, this is who mm. I am. Okay. That's chic. Yeah, I like Yeah, that. very Britney Spears of you. Yeah. <laughs> so then the second one is, it's happening so fast. So, Chelsea, that's what you're making out with. Well, you know, (laughs) from my experience with men, yes, sometimes it is happening so fast. Too fast, almost. A little bit of trivia. The script was written in only six days. I could tell. (laughs) I'm going to murder you by the end of this. No, the last 10 minutes are really great. I do love the last 10 minutes. Michelle Trachtenberg was originally set to star as Tracy, but she was committed to Buffy at the time. Then Mara Wilson from Matilda and Mrs. Doubtfire was sent the script, but her father said absolutely not. Honestly, thank God she didn't get it. (laughs) Oh my God. Could you imagine that little lisp the whole time? We're his goddamn kids, too. (laughs) Also, this one really makes me sick. Melissa Joan Hart's sister, Emily, was considered. Who is Emily Joan Hart? No, I guess it's just Emily Hart. Emily Hart, yeah. I'm so glad, Kelly, that you said that because, again, I don't know anything about anything. But if you don't know who somebody is, I know I'm allowed to not know this person. Melissa Joan Hart's sister. So a nobody. But she did play the cousin in Sabrina. And the only good thing this woman has ever done with her career is when she laid on that piano and said... I forget the song because now I'm giddy about nobody knowing who she is because the world shouldn't know. We're on your team, Donnie. I know we're going to fight this whole episode, but we're on your side. (laughs) Fuck Emily Joan Hart. Just Emily Hart. Just Emily Hart. I know. What do you think her middle name is, though? It needs to be a triple. Emily Jean Hart. For sure, Jean. For sure. Well, now I'm going to Google it. Anne. Emily Ann Hart. Okay. Yeah, that tracks. (laughs) Fuck Emily Ann Hart, you nobody. (laughs) Go lay on a piano, bitch. Like what you're hearing? Head to patreon.com slash one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash one. See you there. What character, if any, in this movie do you identify with? I would say if I was to pick between the two girls, I'd be more of a Tracy. But I was so much more of a Noelle being like, you can't go to the park after dark. Or like, 
you know, when Tracy busts in at the end at like the science class and Noelle's like, we put a note on your locker. <laughs> like that was me. Like it just, it was. And even her being like, I'm doing Usher for her music project. <laughs> yeah. Literally everything about Noelle is me. Uh, Kelly, that feels so good to hear because I too am Noelle for all of those same reasons. <laughs> And I really thought I'd be alone today. So it feels good to know it's a Noel hive here. I guess I was friends with like a few Tracys. And I always felt like I didn't want them to hang out with the people they were hanging out with. Mm. A very Lauren Conrad quality of me. <laughs> I did have Tracy tendencies. I think I would have been Tracy to completion had I not been involved in sports. Mm. Like I was booked and busy after school. And I think my parents did that intentionally of like, oh no, you're not going to have a free second to do anything. So I had Tracy tendencies, but watching this movie back, oh, it's a rough thing that keeps happening to me now that I am in my 30s with two daughters of my own, mm. because I am starting more and more to just resonate with all of the moms in these films and watching the mom like clearly doing the best she can, but also being kind of sucked up in her own vortex of chaos and just missing shit all the time. And that's like to get deep for a minute. That's like one of my biggest fears as a mom is just like being unaware because I'm just so busy with my own bullshit, you know? Mm. Yeah. Where do we go from there? Welcome back to this comedy <laughs> podcast. Donnie will bring it back. He's like, I'm Evie. Well, okay, actually, I was going to let the moment pass. I am very much Noelle. I act on Noelle impulses. But the final 10 minutes, I can go there, Evie-wise, mentally. Like, I will not take accountability for anything, and I will fuck up your life to save mine. <laughs> Horrifying. I'm going to start doing the editing process just filing away these little clips for one day inevitably when the two of us are in court together and I'm like no I know he's on the stand saying it's all my fault but here's the montage of him planning it I'll say it's AI <laughs> it's deep fake yeah. it's Nick Lachey's latest Netflix show where he pins people against each other oh my god that's so funny so now is the time Kelly we're gonna put one minute on the clock and I want you to give us a synopsis of this fine film take it away whenever you're ready so basically tracy just wants to be popular and her socks get made fun of and then she's pissed <laughs> but then she ends up going to redbone to meet up with evie from there on out they go crazy together <laughs> they're running on the beach together they get their tongue pierced together they do a lot of really bad things but at the end you realize that at the end of the day all you have is yourself and you can't like you can't just be following people's every move like tracy did with evie because no good's gonna come from it and you have to follow Follow your own path. Mm. Beautiful. And also, like, it starts off with obviously Tracy's like depressed or whatever with that poem. Yeah. And like, they never like touch on that poem again until she's like failing seventh grade. <laughs> right. And the teacher's like, that was the most beautiful poem I've ever heard. Well, did you refer her to anybody? Did you read that poem and say, wow, haunting? This girl might need some help. Well, no. Here's why you shouldn't do that. Because I always think it's not fair that people can make millions of dollars writing hostile or or like even cruel intentions, whatever. But if a seventh grader wrote those things, then they would have to talk to the guidance counselor. Donnie, if a seven-year-old wrote cruel intentions or a 13-year-old, yeah, I would for sure want them to start. <laughs> and I would argue the people that are making I Know Who Killed Me or any other of those movies should also be seeing a guidance counselor. I don't think it's mutually exclusive. Donnie's like going to burn his journal now. <laughs> 
So our movie begins as two young girls do whippets, listen to their brain cells pop, and punch each other repeatedly in the face. How did we get here? Let's rewind the tapes. Four months earlier, a naive, pigtailed, poetry-writing, granny-panty-wearing Tracy starts seventh grade. Tracy's mom is a hairdresser. I'm going to cut you off the way I always do after one sentence. One sentence, yeah. I feel lied to. I always thought this movie was about a goody-goody who falls in with a girl from the wrong side of the tracks. I did not know they were both from the wrong side of the tracks. And I feel like I should have known that going in. Well, maybe you should have read the synopsis. Oh! Does it say that? A girl from the wrong side of the tracks goes one block over and meets another girl. <laughs> oh, I was mad. <laughs> Do you feel like you would have liked the movie better had it been a girl from the quote-unquote right side of the tracks? I just would have known what I was getting into more. Like, this was Roseanne adjacent the entire time. I would have liked to know that we were starting with, like, Modern Family and then traveling into Roseanne territory. Okay. You needed a Phil Dunphy yeah, comedic relief like, I needed to be grounded first because I maybe that's why. I was judging them from the beginning, so I never really got into it. Whereas if I felt connected, then I would be like, oh, no, this could be me. Well, but I'm trying to pick my words carefully. No, you can say I'm not empathetic. You said that. (laughs) You said that. Uh No, you have said in the past. So these are your words that I'm just remembering because I'm a good friend that listens when you That my family's white trash. Yeah, so you've talked about how your family is Roseanne adjacent. So is that what is triggering for you? Or is it that you are a judgmental bitch that doesn't like when people break rules? Um, No, so that's why I didn't feel connected because I automatically push away people from the wrong side of the tracks because my family was white trash. But then I hate people that break rules. (laughs) Okay. So even if this would have been Sharpe Evans herself going into this lifestyle, I would have turned against her. (laughs) Well, I've just written my recast. Okay. So even if it was Sharpe, you would have been against it. Yeah, I hate people that act like this. I'm glad we didn't know each other. Well, we met at the perfect time. The universe Mm -hmm. works in mysterious ways because the feeling would have been mutual. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Tracy wants to glow up and to grow up. So her mom, Melanie, takes her shopping in the back of a Scooby-Doo van and she transforms from a Cabbage Patch Kid into a quintessential 2003 alternative tomboy cool girl right out of a Hot Topic catalog. (laughs) We're talking chucks. We're talking sweatbands. We've got the studded belt. And this Avril Lavigne cosplay does catch the eye of the most popular girl in school, Evie Zamora, who invites Tracy to go shopping on Melrose with her. Everything about the costuming and the outfits of this movie is just such a moment in time. Donnie, we know your glow up included trading the Elvis hair for popped collars. But mm-hmm. Kelly, what was your like middle school and high school aesthetic? Oh, God. <laughs> I wore a ponytail every single day oh. because like I couldn't be bothered to straighten it or anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really glad I broke that. <laughs> really glad I broke out of that. But my mom actually got a job at American Eagle So we could get the discount. Uh, So a lot of American Eagle in layers. Like I loved wearing layers. You know how you'd have like the cami and then the long sleeve. Oh, you'd have to. And you would have to strategically layer so that each under layer would go slightly lower than the one (laughs) before it. It was like Russian nesting dolls for your body. Yes. I was very about that look. (laughs) It was a good look. Yeah. And I was just in sweatpants because again... 
sports. You talk about the popped collars, but that was more a high school thing for me, Chelsea. Oh. In middle school and early high school, I was really into sweatbands. What? Yeah, it was the only reason I would ever go into Hot Topic, because I was terrified of going into Hot Topic. But they were the only place I could get my sweatbands, and I had one in every color to match my outfit. That is hysterical. Like Wonder Woman. Ding, ding. Wait, you wore two? Sometimes, yeah. (laughs) Did you ever wear a head one? No, only ironically, like 80s day or whatever. Okay. (laughs) Tracy takes Evie up on her offer, sneaking out and catching a bus to Melrose, where Evie and a friend are shopping with a five-finger discount. Desperate to fit in and be included, Tracy steals a rich lady's wallet, which earns her the respect of the bad girls. They've never seen so much money in their life. It's time for a shopping spree. Can we just say that was fucking crazy? Like the fact that (laughs) Tracy saw all that cash and she was like, guess what I'm going to do? Like, I'm going to do something so random. And like five minutes before she was, I mean, she was like interested and want to be part of the crowd, obviously, but she was judging those girls and was nervous about them shoplifting a t-shirt or whatever the fuck they were shoplifting. And here she takes like $8,000 from this woman on the phone. Nothing is scarier than an insecure 13 year old girl. Mm. Oh my God. So true. There is no limit to what could be done at any given moment. I think the opening line to Jennifer's body, it's like hell is a teenage girl. Uh, I'm like, very true. And 13 is beautifully (laughs) displaying that. (laughs) Okay, anything else about this shopping spree before we move on? Uh, I thought I was over judging people for being bad. Like, I thought I would be able to watch this movie and just watch it like a movie, but it really made me feel the way I felt in middle school when there were bad kids. Like, I did not have fun watching this movie. I couldn't watch it as a movie. I was, like, rocking (laughs) back and forth the whole time. I just wanted to tell on them. I wanted wanted them to get in trouble. Listening to Donnie right now, maybe I wasn't (laughs) Maybe I actually was more like a Tracy. Yeah, I'm very Noelle. And I do think there's a difference between what Tracy became and beginning Tracy. So you could have just stayed in your beginning Tracy era where, like, if Noelle's had a choice to erase all Evies from the earth, maybe they would. Because <laughs> okay. I had to use my words very carefully in this outline at the end of the outline because I was wishing death on a 13-year-old girl. Neat. <laughs> Can't wait to get there. Can't wait. There's more to come. Oh. So Tracy starts growing distant from her friends, including baby-faced... Vanessa Hudgens, Mm. and begins hanging out with Evie full-time. And it isn't long before they're getting high, selling drugs, breaking curfew, and dancing naked in the sprinklers. What What a a scene. scene. And I mean, when she gets home and her mom's like, Tracy, I bought that card game you've been looking for. (gasps) You've been holding out on us, Kelly. You buried the lead. Listen, that's like the only kind of good impression I can do, and I hold on to it very dear. But then Tracy's like, I'm alive. (laughs) The mom's just like, wait, what? That's when I would lock my daughter up. You're done here. This is becoming a Black Snake Moan situation very fast. (laughs) Put on that ankle chain. You're... (laughs) You're not leaving. Listen, it was like her first time dropping acid in the park. She didn't know. True. Kelly, we will be probably calling in a favor in the future because every week we have celebrity guests come on and give the one minute synopsis. It's just us doing bad impressions. So the week that Holly Hunter comes on, (laughs) you'll be getting a call. (laughs) 
Before we move on, I do need to talk about them getting naked in the woods or wherever they were. The sprinkler. Yeah. In Mm -hmm. college, I used to love getting naked in front of my friends. And I think it's because there wasn't a lot of gay people in my area where I went to college. So I was, like, sexually liberated and had this need to get naked, but there was no one to do it with. So I used to streak anytime anyone ever wanted to streak at a party. But then also my favorite thing to do was surprise my friends with my mangina. Oh, God. <laughs> there was one friend in particular, and like everybody knew that she was the one that was gonna be tortured by me. When she would sleep over, I would wake her up in the middle of the night with just my mangina in her face. <laughs> Die. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I do get sad that like that part of my time has come to an end. Like I'm visiting I think her. It's for the best. What'd you say? I think it's for the best. Oh, I thought you said I think you should bring it back. <laughs> I'm like, I'll stand up right now and do it. <laughs> we know you're not wearing pants or underwear, so it would just take one standing up. Oh, oh God. God. I'm just going to set a boundary right now. If you ever wake me up in the middle of the night with your mangina in my face, I'm going to chop that dick off so fast with whatever is No, nearby. I know my audience. And you know, much like this podcast, though, the mangina isn't how I started. Like, you push and push and see what you can get away with. And then when, like, when I would, like, wrap my penis around my wrist in front of her and say, like, what time is it? And she didn't... You're making it worse. <laughs> no. And she didn't say anything then. Then I was like... The mangina has been activated. All systems go. Well, I know you love to follow rules, and my one rule is please don't ever do any of those things. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you start out with a Mary-Kate and Ashley podcast, and before you know it, you're telling your guests about your mangina. Things just escalate, and they escalate in this movie, too. Shall we hear about it? Yeah, let's. Okay. So as Melanie, the mom, gets sucked back into a toxic tornado of love with her ex, Brady, Tracy gets sucked in deeper to a toxic world of her own with self-harm, drugs, and dieting. All the warning signs are there. Her pants and her grades are getting lower and lower. She's cutting classes. She's roaring like a lion. She's screaming at her mom for sewing her jeans. And she's openly talking shit to her teachers. And although Melanie is growing increasingly concerned, she doesn't know what to do to help her daughter. Kelly, do you have anything to say about any of that? Because I'm going to go on a tangent for a second. No, I just, I really love it. And now that you like put it in the different perspective of the mom, like, yeah, parents have like their own shit going on. And meanwhile, fucking Evie is insane. She's like, I can't go home, Mel. She's like, Tracy, you can't do that to me. You can't, you can't have that little girl. (laughs) (laughs) It's so crazy. And. I really just think it's a great movie. <laughs> I don't know how it else really to say is. it. I don't know if we're at the part where like Tracy has the flashback of Brady doing like crack or whatever. No, you can talk about that now because I kind of threw that in. So yeah, go there. They never really explain that enough. And it's like, okay, so Tracy already has like this trauma from other things. Mm-hmm. And I almost wish they like dug into that a little bit more. But I also understand that this movie was more about like, seeing this 13-year-old go fucking batshit rather than, like, the why behind it. I agree with you. Like, I feel like if this was a Euphoria serial type of show where we're going to get more about each character each week, we could have gone deeper. But Mm -hmm. I almost feel like the intention behind, like, 
truly giving us a quick flash of like half of a memory was really powerful because it's like, oh yeah, we're focused on like all of the aftermath and all of these behaviors that we're seeing, but she is pushing that down and repressing it so deeply that that flash of a memory is like all she's allowing to Mm. pop back up before it's like on to the next super dangerous thing she's doing to Mm -hmm. mask it all. And I think, I know I said I wish it was about Sharpay Evans, but I do (laughs) think like we have the why behind it because this is basically just an elevated version of what she was already living. The mom's life is a tamer version of everything that Tracy's doing. Yeah, because she's in recovery. So we don't even know yeah. like what trauma she went through to get to where mm-hmm. she has been. Yeah. Right. So now to take it in a not deep place. I have two things I want to talk about with this little tangent you just went on. Mm-hmm. Number one, she does become a demon in this movie, but her worst infraction to me is when she talked back to the teachers <laughs> and to the mom. I wanted to slap her in the <laughs> mouth. <laughs> Donnie says, fuck your trauma, sit down and do your work. Truly, like, go snort it in your bedroom. You don't need to talk to your mother like that. How dare you? Donnie, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Slam each other against the bed again, but do not talk to Holly Hunter that way. But when I was in middle school, seventh grade to be exact, math class with Mr. Lesher, there was this girl in my class, the same girl, cuties, that said, the next day, Saturday, in the school play, and she fucking hated math class and she would yell at the teacher. I thought you were about to say she fucking hated me and I was about to say I wonder why. (laughs) No she was my first kiss actually. She wanted me. (laughs) She was just asking for that mangina. (laughs) Never saw it. I only kept it for the real ones. So she used to talk back to the math teacher all the time and the biggest time I can remember was when we were taking a test that she clearly was bad at she crumpled up the paper threw it at him and said this is bullshit (gasps) it was the desks where it was like a kitchen table so it was like two people at one you know Mm -hmm. and i had to sit next to her so whenever she would do shit like that i just wanted to crawl into my own butthole (laughs) (laughs) like one of those armadillos and roll away Number two, when the mom walks around naked, Uh (laughs) when the mom walks around naked, the first time Quinn ever came to visit my family, he went to the bathroom in the middle night just wearing his underwear, which flex going to someone's house for the first time and walk through the hallways just in your underwear. But then my mom did the same thing at the same time. Oh, no. (laughs) So my husband and my mother. A midnight meetup rendezvous. rendezvous. Yeah. Underwear Uh style. Wow. Sick, actually. When Holly's running around naked, that's after the um like movie theater fiasco, right? Yeah. Yes. That scene, I think, is the best scene of the entire movie. Not Holly Hunter running around naked. <laughs> <laughs> the scene before that. I think that is the most pivotal moment of the entire movie. Yeah. It's when like Tracy finally realizes like Evie isn't a good mm-hmm. friend to her. And like yeah. she's like, I don't want to fucking do this. Uh-huh. And then I think it's also crazy because that's when like Mason starts to realize how deep Tracy is, like. Him and his friend go into that store and his friend starts hitting on Tracy. He's like, I want to see your thong on my floor. And then she turns around and sees her brother. And I really just feel like that was such a wake up moment for Tracy. Yeah, but it's such a relatable but crazy moment because she realizes this. And then we go like 10 steps deeper. Right. So in this next segment, just to change it up, I'm going to tell you more of the bad shit that Tracy and Evie get into. I 
feel like, sorry, you can do it when I'm Uh done speaking. (laughs) I feel like part of the reason it was hard for me to get into, besides judging them the whole time, I felt like I was watching Pretty Wild. Like, nothing really happens for an hour and a half. It's just shaky camera work as girls tongue kiss each other. I think that was a tough hour and a half well, for me. Well, Donnie, <laughs> serve me a softball and I'm going to knock it out of the park. Patreon.com slash I am the cute one for our Pretty Wild coverage, oh. which we're doing right now. I thought you meant you're going to tongue kiss a girl. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, very oh shit, is that why I was invited for this? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to reenact a scene really quick. No, but that movie scene when they're trying to get out of watching that war movie with Melanie and her boyfriend and Tracy says I'm a pacifist like Gandhi that was very Alexis (laughs) Nyers coded like that was very very pretty wild adjacent once again I see the similarities I understand what you're saying and for the reasons why it was hard for you reasons I love it even more It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the force when no one's looking, or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, (laughs) unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie-accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of $200 or more. It's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high-quality collectibles. Or you can gift it to that super geek in your life. Perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that I've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby Yoda. And again, that I refuse to stop calling it Baby Yoda. Plus, shopping at Sideshow earns you 5% back in Sideshow rewards, meaning for every $100 spent, you get $5 back in rewards that can be used on future purchases. While geeking out is its own reward, your collection goes farther with Sideshow. So, what are you waiting for? Visit Sideshow.com, promo code CUTE1, right now, and get ready to let your geek side show. Oh, that's clever. Sideshow. Like Sideshow.com? I get it. 
girls drink voodoo juice. They gaslight Melanie and tell her to go to more meetings when she expresses concern. Like, just diabolical shit. And then when Tracy gets asked out by Javi, the girls celebrate at Evie's house by first making out with each other and then hooking up with Javi and his friend. Did you know that if everybody married someone from a different race, then in just one generation, there would be no prejudice? Just colorism. <laughs> First of all, Kelly, do you want to talk about anything deep? No. Okay. What do you think is worse, Donnie, that you keep having us talk about the deep moments and then segueing into the mangina? I feel like you should lead with the mangina and then we can circle back to the deep Okay. Stuff. Are you sure? I'm just afraid if we get to mangina, brains will turn off and then we won't remember you had to talk about deep no, stuff. No, I'll remember. Okay, I'll thank remember. you. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> We've been having this podcast for 120 episodes. I think Kelly has been asking since episode three to come on and talk about 13 and we finally said 13 is gonna happen kelly come on we'd love to have you and instead i talk about not the movie one time okay so, <laughs> so what I do you have to say it. now what hall of horror door are you gonna unlock from your past no i just want to know why i thought it was a very me scenario and experience but this movie made me feel like i wasn't alone why was fooling around in front of your friends a thing like, it's not really a sex party, but it kind of is. Like, I went to my friend's house to watch Fast and the Furious, and I fully blew somebody under a blanket as the Fast and the Furious was on TV. You know, that's really weird, because me and my friends would do the same. To Fast and the Furious? Fast and Furious. <laughs> Something about Vin Diesel. We call it movie nights. And it would be, like, me and my girlfriend and then two guys, and then we just, like experiment yeah. i don't know why it had to be like everyone was involved <laughs> and this is so weird donnie thank you for being courageous enough to share your fast <laughs> and course. the curious thing because this was a universal experience because the first time that i ever gave head was in a tree house with another couple just mere inches away hooking up too it's so weird because so for weird. a time in your life that's so filled with shame and feeling self-conscious there is an element I guess where just your hormones take over and you're like well we're doing this now but I think it's also just not having access to places where you could hook up and it's like well it could either be in the back of a car or during movie night at Susie's house when her parents are gone you know I don't know if it was almost like you know everyone called each other like sluts in the early 2000s Mm. and all that and it was kind of like well if you're doing it too then like neither of us. And are. I can only speak for myself and neither one of you need to give details, but it sounds like we're all on the same page and this didn't happen. But it's so weird that like this is a universal experience. I'm sure we're not the only three this happened to, but it never turned into an orgy. No. Like this is almost an orgy, but not. No touching the other couple. It's bizarre. You stay on that side of the treehouse. Yeah. You're a weirdo. <laughs> That's what will make it weird. So odd. So cuties, please leave us a five-star review and let us know where you used to hook up next to your friends and follow-up question did it ever turn into an orgy oh yeah that's what i really want to know so while tracy's life becomes more and more of a shit show evie hatches a scheme to get adopted into the family she says she can't go home her cousin and guardian brooke is at a convention in bakersfield and besides brooke's boyfriend hits her and her uncle once threw her into a fire and because brooke's phone has also been disconnected and because tracy knows that her mom can't ever say no to somebody right to their face evie becomes essentially a squatter. And Melanie at this point is at a loss. She can't prove Evie is the demon possessing her daughter, but she tries. So she enlists the help of her sponsor, her psychic, and even Tracy's deadbeat absentee dad, 
but they all fail too because at this point, the girls just need a full exorcism. For sure. And things finally spiral out of control when Tracy stops even trying to hide what's really going on. She taunts her mom by showing off the piercings she got 2,000 years ago, (laughs) menacingly speaks pig Latin, and lets Uh everybody know, no bra, no panties. And just like that, we're back to the beginning with Evie and Tracy beating the shit out of each other. Chelsea, this was not pig Latin. Out of everything you just said, that's what I need to come for you for. This was not pig Latin. It was gibberish. What is gibberish? Do you not speak it? No. Kelly, do you know gibberish? Um, My grandma used to do it. (gasps) Ah, your grandma is incredible. It's like, um, de guy, de yeah. Yes! You're the guest of the keys. Yeah. You're the guest of the key. So you take the first letter of the syllable and then put itig after it. Itig? Yeah. So like, didagan nitigi. Itig is kidagool. So I just said Donnie's cool. There were these two girls in my math class in high school that spoke it, and I begged them to teach me, and they said, we can't teach it, but if you listen closely, maybe you'll learn. I know. And I learned. I spied on them every day. Yeah, they were like, we're not going to teach you because we're actively talking itagish about you. (laughs) You had it. Did I do it? it? Yeah, you learned too. I'm not going to teach you, but if you listen, you can learn. So shit has gotten really bad. Tracy takes a good, hard look in the mirror, literally, and realizes that not only is she failing school and might be held back in the seventh grade, but she can't even remember how to spell photography. And looking at the ghost of her daughter sitting in the back seat of her car, Melanie has finally had enough. She drives over to Evie's guardian's house where she realizes that Brooke has not skipped town. She just had her ears cut off from a botched plastic surgery, which means that Evie can finally go home and stop haunting their house, which is a good thing in theory, except that it causes Evie to turn everybody against Tracy. Fucking bitch. I have never hated a movie teenager or child this much since atonement with that fucking little bitch i hate that girl from atonement (laughs) if the purge was real that bitch from atonement better watch her back but evie really worked my nerves or the little sarsaronis It was so hard for me, Kelly, to enjoy Sharsa Ronan as an actress in other things because my jaw clenched whenever I saw her. I didn't want to root for her. When I watched Little Women, I was like, I wish you were the one that died. Like, <laughs> you can't even watch Lady Bird. <laughs> Tracy comes home to an intervention. Brooke, Evie, and her mom are waiting for her. They've found her stash of drugs, stolen clothes, and money. And at first, Tracy loses her shit and screams at her mom, blaming her for her life and how everything has gone. But soon they join forces against Evie and her cousin when basically they try to pin everything on Tracy. And Brooke seems to think that Tracy was the bad influence, which clearly bullshit. Because Tracy was playing with Barbies before she met Evie. (laughs) this scene of her kind of being backed into a corner and just attacking her mom and saying like all of the Mm. vicious shit about you know when her boyfriend was in the halfway house you didn't even know how to pay our bills and like what the fuck is wrong with you this movie really made me want to just call my mom and apologize (laughs) once I became a mom knowing like oh I'm gonna love these two little bitches unconditionally and it doesn't matter what they say to me I'm gonna always love them and I know they're gonna say shit on purpose to like hit me where it hurts and my job is just to take it and then still love them anyway and the fact that this movie ends with them kicking Brooke and Evie out of the house and then Melanie like hugging Tracy until she surrenders to it is just so like uh, 
I love this movie. Yeah, I think the ending is incredible. And I don't think I've ever watched like a movie with like a mom yelling the C word at like a little <laughs> teenage girl. Uh-huh. Again, the way Evie was able to manipulate the whole situation. And even when Tracy's trying to run out of the house and trying to break out, Evie's like, I'm so sorry. They found my stash. <laughs> and then Tracy's like, what the fuck, Evie? And that realization of like, oh, I've always seen you play everybody else, but now Mm. you're doing it to me and I'm watching this happen. And it makes you question everything that Evie has said is going on in her life. And yes, of course, we do see a peek again into her life and like we know that shit's bad, but it's like we don't know for sure what's been true or a lie this whole time because she's so good at it. But that's where I'm not like Evie. I do have the power to do Evie stuff, but I rate people so like if you are top tier in my life you are the people i will never cross and there's i don't need to name how many people are in that tier because then people will try to guess if they're in it or not but like anyone below maybe i will manipulate you maybe i will lie to your face and steal your home but if you're top tier chelsea you are okay Sorry, i was gonna Kelly. ask <laughs> Shit. lock the door kelly <laughs> So our movie ends, like I said, with Melanie hugging Tracy until she surrenders to it. The mother and daughter snuggle in their bed together, and when they wake up, they're not in Kansas anymore. The color is back in the movie. I felt like the mom, because I didn't realize how deep we were in and that the movie was in black and white until it was too late. And then I was like, well, what the fuck now? What are we going to do? So then when we got color, it was a breath of yeah. fresh air. The coloring is so wild. And I always make fun of the early aughts. It's like, oh, if you want it to be deep, slap that blue filter on and we've got ourselves a film. Don't call it a movie anymore. But the way that this was handled where it was like a slow draining. Mm-hmm. And then there are moments like when Melanie drives to Evie's house and is like, no, get the fuck out. Yeah. Like, I cast you out, unclean spirit. There's like a tinge of color. Like there are moments where the color's coming back. But yeah, you don't realize until it's too late. And you're like, oh, no, yeah. we're in Pleasantville and everything is black and white. And in this movie, the color coding was done on purpose. So like, I loved it in this. But yes. I realized it was the same director as Twilight. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say this about a scene and the scene itself was not funny I cried during it whatever but when the mom was kissing her scars and had her face buried in the arm in a full blue lens I was like this is the ballet studio scene from Twilight (laughs) when they're sucking her blood on the wrist like this she like put the same index card up when she pitched it to the studio okay so final (laughs) thoughts wrapping up if we were to bring this movie to present day who would you cast or what would you want the plot of a sequel to be I actually like the idea of seeing it from someone else's view like when you said that earlier I think it would be really cool to see it from the mom's point of view or the brother or uh Evie in general I think if it was from the mom's point of view it could be more like a beautiful boy kind of movie Mm. that was gonna be my pitch too and I said either from Evie's perspective or from the brother because the brother is such an interesting character to me because we see these flashes of his life and it's clear that like he's got shit going on too like he's also just like out on the street at night doing what he's going to do. But then he's also having this like, well, you've taken it too far. Mm -hmm. Again, everything goes back to Twilight. It's like New Sun or whatever when they wrote it from Edward's perspective. (laughs) I would love to get the perspective of somebody else witnessing, like, what does this shit show look like from a slightly different angle? Both of those are great ideas. However, none of them is going to top this. I think... 
Tracy should be a mom of a 13-year-old. But instead of going through the same thing and it just be a regurgitation, I think Tracy and her daughter hunt down Evie to make her pay for her sins. (laughs) Oh, my God. Very Kill Bill. (laughs) Okay. I was, like, so pleasantly surprised for the first half of that sentence. I was like, wow, yeah, like, having to navigate your own daughter going through. No, No, it's going to have that, too. As they beat the shit out of Evie together. And the movie starts with them beating the shit out of Evie. Uh, the way that they're beating the shit out of each other in the start of this movie. And then we rewind back in time. How did we get to this Yeah, that's final beautiful. I like yeah. that. That is wow. so crazy. <laughs> I love it. This is where you are in Evie, Donnie. The disgusting thing about you. There's so many. But you <laughs> say something... That is so unhinged and vile that my impulse is like, absolutely not. And then before I know it, I'm yes anding it. Why did I just pitch the opening to that movie? I don't know. Peer pressure. So final, final thoughts. What about this movie aged well and what aged like blockbuster? And I'll start with one blockbuster just off the top. I feel like the scene where they quote unquote seduce that creepy Mm. lifeguard boy from next door who... They never say what his age is, but he's old enough that he's living by himself without like CPS getting involved. So I think he's over 18. (laughs) As they come over and they're like, you know, grinding with each other in the living room and doing what they're doing, he keeps calling them jailbait. Mm -hmm. And this idea of jailbait in the early 2000s is just so disturbing. And it takes me back to like the countdown clocks of Mary-Kate and Ashley and this idea that like, oh, you're trying to come on to me. Yeah, I would say that would be mine too. And it is really weird how they make these two young 13-year-old girls be like these sexy sirens, like pulling in a 20. I think he was like 21 at least. He had alcohol in that Well, in real life, I understand this is like the part of the podcast where we do this. So we find things even in like a Disney Channel movie to talk about that's blockbuster. Mm -hmm. But like the script's the script, whatever. In real life, though, the actresses were 13 and he was 28. So that's what is disgusting to me like this should not have even been a scene if we're having real 13 year olds make out with a real 28 year old Mm -hmm. and there is that ethics piece of it of because it's nikki reed's story there is an element of like taking back the power and telling your Mm -hmm. own story but then thinking of the fact that there's another 13 year old who is now cast into all of this yeah Yeah, just an actress doing i think it is really cool that the movie was filmed in like 30 days and they only could shoot for like a few hours a day but like as cool as it is it's definitely not okay that they like were running these girls who were 13 like into the ground so maybe just like behind the scenes stuff I'd say like kind of age like blockbuster I don't really know any of the Evan Rachel Wood stuff Mm -hmm. how does she talk about this time like what is her reflection back on this movie has she talked about it at all yeah her and Nikki Reed actually I think it was like the 10 year anniversary Mm -hmm. I want to say they they did like a live YouTube for it and you know Tracy said like I did have a crush on Nikki Reed and you know this movie did help me kind of feel more like a normal kid for a little bit so it looks like she looks on it really fondly and I mean Nikki and Catherine have worked together recently so I think they both kind of have good things to say and I know Evan has said like having Holly Hunter in her side she really like took her under her wing and made her feel safe so it does sound like even though the age stuff was crazy and like working that much and so quickly 
it does seem like it was overall a good experience. I think that their experience on the movie they enjoyed. They both said they have never watched the movie back because they don't like the way it makes them feel. And I know that Evan Rachel Wood filming the final argument scene with the mom, she blacked out during it. And then when she came to, the director was like cradling her in her lap. So like it was... (laughs) intense but I think they look at the experience and the relationships they built as a good thing yeah and I think a lot of people when they think of the movie 13 they're like oh it's just about these two girls going crazy and I'm like yeah that's like surface level what it is Mm -hmm. this movie is so incredible just to watch and now that you're older if you watch it again you do pick up on these these different things of like everyone in this movie struggling and it's more than just like two girls who get their tongues pierced (laughs) well kelly thank you so much for coming on and for talking about this movie and for listening to our bullshit as always (laughs) No, thank you for letting me, like, bully my way into making you watch this movie again. <laughs> what do you want to cover next? What was that? What do you want to cover next? Or are you going to block us after Yeah, that? she's like, sorry, I lost my connection here. <laughs> no, there are so many movies I haven't seen that are, like, iconic movies. So Ooh. there's so many, like, I've never seen Notting Hill. I've never seen, like, so many rom-coms. And I would be so overjoyed to come on and talk about anything you guys want me to. Oh, wonderful. Yay. If for whatever reason they are not following you, listening to you, if they're following and listening to us and not you, look (laughs) inward. There's something wrong there. But tell everybody where they can consume your content. First of all, not true. You're both lovely. But on Instagram, I'm Laguna underscore Biatch. And then I co-host Beyond the Blinds with Troy McKeady. It's a fun podcast where we talk about blinds. We don't write them. Blinds are all alleged. So don't sue her and don't sue us. Thanks. Right. For Valentine's Day next week, we are covering Bridget Jones's Diary, which I have never watched. So first time for me. You're in for a treat. Great. So with that, we'll be back next week. Talk to you later. Love, Love you like, like a sister. sister. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to I Am The Cute One. If you want more, head to patreon.com slash one for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes, as well as even more bonus content. And if you like what you heard, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. And to help us grow this community of chaotic cuties, share an episode with a friend you think would pass the vibe check. And to see the madness, check out our YouTube channel, where video footage from all current episodes are posted weekly. You can follow me at Real Donnywood on Instagram and all other social media platforms. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at Oh No Chels. Talk to See you later. later. Love, Love you like, like a sister. sister. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.